thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by Bellavex, a marketplace management agency helping retail brands systematically grow their business. Navigating the world's largest e-commerce marketplaces can be a challenge. Bellavix is here to guide your brand to success with their team of experts. Seller Central Management, Vendor Management, Amazon Paid Search, Amazon Displayed Advertising, and more. Check out what Will and the team are building at bellavix.com today. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I wanted to take a minute to call out some of the things that we're working on here at CXE today. Number one, CX scorecards. Take a minute to see how your team and your business is performing across the four CX pillars. Number two, CX boot camps. If you need somebody in your company, or if you need one of your CX and CS leaders to get some additional training, coaching, and fractional CXO support, ask us about our CX boot camps. We do a full deep dive with live coaching with your team to run through all the facets of the CX and the CS land. And number three, CX accelerators. We have been privileged to work with some incredible companies across the world, helping them build their CX and CS roadmap for success as they scale their business and as they scale their team. Do not hesitate to reach out to CX Chronicles today to ask us how we can help make customer happiness a habit within your business. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited. Uh, Today, we have Will Hare from Bellavix joining the show. Will, say hello to the CX Nation, my friend. What's going on, CX Nation? Happy to be here. No, we're pumped to have you, Will. Um, So guys, Will's got a super cool story that he's going to um, walk us through today. And uh, it, it, it's there's a whole bunch of different things that Will's going to kind of get into. We're going to talk about our normal team tools, process feedback, but Will's got a different type of business with Bellavix and he's got a different type of focus area. So I'm excited to kind of dive in today. Will, why don't you why don't you take a couple minutes to set the stage, my friend, give the CX Nation um, a sense for a little bit of your background, your experience, and how did you come about building and growing and, 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 and putting your business Bellavix out into the world, my friend? Excellent. Appreciate it. So a little background, uh, myself, actually I have a military background, did, uh, did five years in the, the service, got out. Uh, a lot of people don't know I'm actually a licensed electrician. I used to do that in the past life and worked at a power plant. But through that, I learned a lot about processes, um, attention to detail and, uh, and discipline. But uh, I always had a passion for marketing. So as I graduated school, I took that opportunity to to leave a six-figure job to go work for a minimum wage at a, at a startup uh, where I learned a lot of the ropes around marketing and digital marketing specifically. And then through time, I just took positions at different agencies, mainly in the advertising space because that's kind of my background. And uh, and I would say, geez, at this point, I think it's six years ago, I uh, started just hyper-focusing on marketplaces, specifically Amazon, um, and just started getting better and better and one of the, the biggest pain points for me as somebody who was, grew to a point where I was managing accounts uh, is that I got I had a lot of accounts. So my last job, I was managing 50 clients. 
uh, at one time. And it was really hard to be a good steward for the brands that I represented. And, and I, I just couldn't, couldn't do business like that anymore. So I was like, you know what? There's got to be a business model where you could be boutique. You could focus on quality of service over quantity and still be profitable. And from that, Bellavix was born. Um, we're a marketplace uh, strategy company that uh, focuses on helping brands penetrate and scale on the world's largest marketplaces. And that includes Amazon and Walmart. That's awesome, man. So, I mean, number one, just super cool background. Uh, definitely uh, definitely a, a different type of background coming from the world of being an electrician and then obviously military yeah. into, into, into the whole world of like, marketplace optimization i'd say you made a, uh, yeah. an interesting transition my friend but that's super cool I, I i always find it super interesting how different people kind of arrive at where where they are it's a, it's an awesome reminder for people that doesn't matter kind of where you are right now there's these different stepping stones in your life and your career that you just kind of got to go with them because you don't know where they're going to bring you but sometimes they, they they tee you up into finding this whole other space or this whole other type of focus area that you never thought before um well a couple questions for you my friend so with Bellavex and with um, the idea, so totally understand some of the marketing and the advertising background, probably super, super great way to kind of get you set up for how to tell a story, how to command some um, some attention or, or get people to consider a product, consider a service. What made you start thinking about the marketplaces and what, what made you start kind of gravitating towards Amazon and this idea of being able to build a company that kind of worked inside of that type of a space? Excellent. You know, I think part of it, being an entrepreneur, I think a lot of us can relate to it, just terrible ADD, having trouble focusing on one specific thing at a yes. time. Yes, and, guilty as charged, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But with Amazon and, and anybody who's sold products on Amazon, what you realize, it's an ecosystem that is just constantly changing. And it requires you to just be diligent in the news and resources you take in and, and also the challenges around it. My, you know, my, like my personal branding, my, my personal motive is like, I love solving challenging marketing problems. And for e-commerce brands specifically, I'm like, as I've came from, as mentioned, the electrical background and then getting into marketing, it's just always been a passion for me. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, what's nice is that most of Amazon represents like small to mid-sized businesses. Most of those sellers, they're not Fortune 500 companies selling products. They're they're regular people just trying to make ends meet, and they're passionate about whatever their idea is. So Amazon specifically has just tapped me into community of just like-minded people who love doing what I love to do, but maybe their passion's more in the creative element, which I get all the time, or inventing new iterations of product, the better widget, if you will. And yep. my you know my opportunity and my passion of just helping these people and these brands kind of establish a presence, solve some of these challenging marketplace uh, problems around marketplaces, just kind of naturally perpetuated itself. And now, geez, we're three years later, we're, we're 15 full-time employees uh, and we're managing just only Amazon, Amazon and Walmart accounts. So it's been, you know, a really exciting journey for, for us, for me specifically to just go from, you know, myself pretty much as a freelancer to somebody who, who has a team and we're implementing ideas and now it's bigger than me. You know, the team is coming up with different processes. They're learning different ways of doing things as new features roll out. Uh, we're on top of it together. We're learning together. So I've also managed to build a team of people like myself who are passionate about solving these types of problems. And this, and this whole roller coaster ride and experience has just been so rewarding and uplifting that uh, I love to, to share my tale. 
I love it, man. Well, number one, I think it, it, it's a super interesting world. I think number two, everybody that's listening to this show knows how businesses like Amazon and you mentioned Walmart too have completely changed the world, right? They've completely changed every one of our expectations around timeliness, around expediency, around easiness or frictionless buy. Like it's ridiculous, right? Like you can literally think, I mean, we've gotten to the point now where you think that you need something, you can literally shout it out to the smart speaker and add it to the damn list, <laughs> right? It's we're in a really wild time where um, we can do those things. But at the same time, I, I don't know that the average you know, Joe thinks about that's put expectations on almost every other area of, yeah. uh, of life and of, of, of being a consumer. So now we have these expectations, the, the Amazon expectation or the Uber yeah. expectation, it's now all over the place. So you've got SMBs across the world that actually have to pay a little bit of attention. Like, look, we're being conditioned by, by some of these companies like Amazon or Walmart or some of these big, huge players because they've made it so damn easy for us to buy from them, or they've made it so easy to be able to always have the products that we need or always have the different things that we're trying to, that we have to replenish on a regular basis. So I think it's a super cool space. Um, before we jump into team and you started hitting on it, but can you give us a sense for like, what, what give, give the listeners some ideas. What are some of the common, um, what are some of the common things that you guys are doing today as far as thinking about marketplace optimization? So like, give us like a sense for some of the handful of things. I know that Bellavix gets into all sorts of really great services, but give us a sense for what are some of the common things or what are some of the, the go-to uh, needs that, that, that people that are going and starting their own, their own Amazon businesses or, or doing their own thing, what do they come to you guys with? What are some of the primary questions or what are some of the primary challenges that they're facing when they're, when they're thinking about this space? Excellent. Yeah, I would say a lot of people, when they come in, they think it's a, a saturated market. How will I ever launch my products and make, make money on Amazon? What they fail to realize is that Amazon doesn't steal sales from your website. At the end of the day, 66% of people are going to go check Amazon for pricing, but they're also going to check reviews. It's a trusted mm -hmm. resource for yep. how well your products rank. And if you're not selling on Amazon, but you're maybe a larger brand and your products have spilt over, See the types of reviews that people are leaving, and you'll realize that perhaps the people who are representing your brand are not representing them well. And on that, some of the biggest problems that most sellers have is like the listing aspect of it. So is it clear? Is it concise? Does it optimize for SEO? Uh, and then more importantly, is it, is it listed properly? Did I uh, submit everything I need to do to be a proper seller. If you're a brand, uh, we recommend, did you do brand registry? Did you submit your trademark? Are you protecting your brand and your assets from infringement? And that's all part of it. Outside of that, another big piece is advertising. It's, it's complicated. We happen to be uh, an agency that delivers both programmatic and pay-per-click advertising on the platform. So okay. a lot of sellers will come in, which is not a, a good understanding of how to properly optimize that, how to look at it from a full funnel perspective, and then obviously how to turn how to turn some money into more money, which is the name totally. of the game. Yeah. I mean, Will, this stuff's hard, man. Like even really, really smart people that are uh, maybe just starting to think about this space or just starting to think about a specific set of um, niche products or, or things that they know that they can kind of leverage on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a marketplace like Amazon. They might know everything about that and getting the product built and having this uh, like having the different offerings. But once you actually start to stand some of the stuff online, it's a different beast. There's a lot of complexity to it. There's a number of different things that you have to absolutely understand or that you have to be positioned towards to be able to reflect the type of sales or reflect the type of engagement. When you talked about reviews, that's another piece. I mean, 
it's a huge part of why CX Chronicles exists is companies, especially growth focused companies, they can, they oftentimes totally struggle to realize that. And I say this all the time, but like referrals are gold for a business or past, past reviews and ratings. I mean, that's literally like a currency for them. And a lot of companies, it takes them a while to understand how to leverage that, how to share that, how to almost make some of the best reviews or the best ratings or the best feedback that you've gotten, especially on a platform like Amazon, make that your selling content, make that your marketing content, make that the stuff that makes the, ne- the next 10 customers super duper excited about working with your business or your, or your brand. So I love all of that. Um, Will, why don't, you, why don't you jump into the first pillar of team? I'd love to kind of hear, as you got into the space, you mentioned, you know, you started off one man band as every, so many businesses, we all, we, we know how that can, how that can be starting off small. You got yourself, you're wearing 10 different hats. You're lucky once you get just a few people around you. I'd love to hear your story about building your team and kind of how you started to um, differentiate the different needs, the different areas of ownership, or maybe even subject matter expertise that you needed to be able to grow Bellavix and to be able to grow the business. Excellent. Yeah. So a great question, by the way. So uh, when we first got started, obviously it was just me and uh, just doing everything. So uh, really started off freelancing starting. So had a full-time job and was just part-time picking up work like everyone else and working with a lot of small businesses. I mean, generally that's how most of us get started, but um, we hit a point where um, I grew enough uh, where it was like, I can either continue working for this company and let go of some of my freelance clients, or I could just kind of jump ship and make it happen. And like most people, uh, in that situation, I was like, nope, this this is my time to shine. So uh, I ended up leaving that other agency and um, and set out on my own. And I would say, you know, real, you know, there's a lot you don't know. There's a lot of mistakes that happen, a lot of struggling around, like, how do you price your services? You know, how do you understand how much time goes into something? And then how to yeah. also keep up on everything. And yeah. initially started off like anyone else where I hired uh, freelancers using like an Upwork or a free up just to kind of get yep. some yep. services. And then from that, I learned like, oh my God, these people don't know what they're doing compared to what <laughs> you know, my level of expectations for where they should be. Yeah. Um, so a big thing I, I picked up pretty quick and uh, a business coach that I was working with recommended Mike, I'm butchering his name, Mike McCallowitz. He okay. wrote uh, he wrote The Pumpkin Plan, but specifically I read his book, Clockwork. And Clockwork was all about setting up processes and, and automation. Yep. So as I yep. work with different freelancers who were just like Upwork cowboys is the best analogy I've ever heard. I started taking the time to like, okay, this is what it should look like and make it like super like stupid simple where it's like step one, do this screenshot. Uh, we yep. chose not to do videos because if somebody needed to go back in at a certain point, they got to watch like 10 minutes of video to get to the one part. So we did a lot of just standard operating procedures. Um, and then at that point, I was also doing the sales stuff. So working with enough freelancers, realized like there were a couple really good ones. So luckily, the business had enough revenue, and we decided to hire a couple of them full time, got them off of uh, of Upwork and, and kind of brought them into the Bellavix family. Also, at the same time, my wife, who's my co-founder, she has a background in, a, in the catalog operation side. She worked with more enterprise level businesses. Okay. Um, and I, as a good salesman and a good husband, I kind of got her to jump ship uh, with me. Um, and she came on board probably after the first year. So we established in 2018. And then in 2019, um, we were able to have her come on board full time. And then she really took control 
of the entire operation side where she had the background of like, how do we standardize processes? How do we hire the right people? How do we vet them out real quickly? And where I'm more emotional, I lead with my personality. She's yeah. much more data driven. So like <laughs> us being opposites, you know, I will fall in love with somebody, uh, especially if they compliment me nonstop. So I had trouble like hiring and firing and she's all yeah. business. So she was like, nope, this guy's got to go. He's made too many mistakes. And because of that, we were able to improve the quality of our service, which allowed us to get bigger and better clients. Uh, so it was like kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy why it was really difficult. And I make myself as the CEO do all the firing because I do all the hiring. And it's, you know, if I hired somebody who didn't work out, while sometimes it's their fault because they embellish their resumes and, and all that other stuff, but sometimes it's my fault because I brought the wrong person in. So yeah. I yep. take it personally and I handle it. And then from there, we just grew. And then people inside the business kind of, you know, you realize who some real superstars were. 100%. So yep. we hired somebody yep. as, as a strategist level uh, come in and she just happened to be, you know, she was all about writing SOPs and she was talking about how we can diversify our portfolio and get more revenue streams. Uh, and she worked her way into like a director of client services where she started awesome. managing the quality of the entire operations team. Yep. And then with her in that position and the ops side kind of firing on all cylinders, we were able to kind of start bringing people in for the, the sales and marketing role. And then before, before we knew it, we kind of have a, an engine running where uh, we're able to kind of put clients in through our process. We're able to find business and bring them in at the same time have a certain standard of quality, what expectations are there, clear deliverables for each job in each position, what makes them qualified. And we've also tied, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the culture index, but essentially predictive analytics. So you also tie in certain personality traits. We know, for example, somebody who's on the, the specialist level needs to be very detail-oriented. So we look for certain traits in their personality that that allows them to be more detailed because we've hired enough different types of people to know you can't have somebody who's social and low on the detail and actually be in the accounts delivering the work. So it was definitely a journey. And like I said, still in the process of hiring, firing. I don't, we're not by any means a large business, but managing 12 full-time people does keep you pretty busy. And, uh, and we're really fortunate enough to get there and hoping to be a little larger by the end of this year. I love it, man. Well, number one, you just now that we're any type of team building, any type of team leadership, any type of team management, coaching and support is hard work, man. That's, yeah. that's a super, super uh, difficult thing. And, uh, and frankly, you know, well, not everybody knows that not everyone's been in the position where they know what it's like to manage a bunch of different people, a bunch of different personalities. One thing that I, I have a follow up question for you, you mentioned even you mentioned the idea of your wife being one of your co-founders. So I have to ask you, what is it like, been, what's it been like building a team, you know, with your spouse? I think, cause I, cause I think you might be one of our first guests on the show where I hear a ton about, you know, spouse-based founderships and, 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 and business ownerships, but what's it been like for you and your wife to kind of build that team together? Has, um, is, is it what you guys expected? Has it, you mentioned the complementary um, skills, skill sets, but like, what's it been like for the two of you to balance all that? Uh, because she's listening, it's been magical <laughs> and a dream. And <laughs> good answer, my friend. Yeah. Good <laughs> but totally, can, you know, it it comes with the stresses. I would say she's poking her head in now. I would say that um, it, it's challenging at first. So, like one thing you learn, like um, separating work life, tends to be a challenge. And for us, 
one of the first things that happened, because I did it for a whole year before I brought her on, is like okay. we got to a point where we were butting heads because she knew it had to be a certain way and I wanted it my way pretty much. And what yep. we learned is like role clarity was huge. And once we established role clarity, like you're responsible for yep. this, I could give my yep. input because we're, we're co-founders. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for the outcome. And if you think it needs to be like this and, and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to say you're sorry. And once, you know, that probably took six to eight months. We have, we had a business coach. I'll tell anybody who, who is in the business, like business coaching helps somebody who's been there before. So getting a lot of feedback from, from a coach has helped out tremendously. Uh, and once we had the role clarities, it became a lot easier. There was a lot less stress. We were able to kind of leave stuff at work and yeah. don't get me wrong. There are days, like my, my, my Bella Vicks is our third child. I have two at home that are living, breathing. And then I have... <laughs> The, the yeah. one we're always working on because it, it like we're, we're both passionate about it. She's a marketer too. She's been doing digital marketing a little longer than I have. Um, and we're both passionate about it. We love the clients we work with. We think everybody works with us as a blessing. So we're, we're very passionate people. And when you get passionate people in close quarters all the time, you know, you, ideas will, will differ and, and you'll have confrontation. But knowing how to handle that and knowing that it's your wife and you have to have the same level of respect you'd have for everybody else and, and valuing her input uh, is definitely part of it. So on that end, it's been a journey and, you know, no way am I perfect. She, if she jumps on this podcast, she will give you a long list of things that will <laughs> it would be so a whole other different type of story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, no, overall, that's awesome. Well, I, I think, look, I think it's awesome. I also just think that, you know, it, 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 it's building businesses is, is, is so hard that the reality is the more you can bring people in that you trust, you admire, yeah. you respect, you like, even when you disagree, you still agree in a weird way. Dude, that stuff's huge, man. So I think that that's awesome that, that you guys have been able to, to, to develop that. I'd love to jump, jump into the second CX pillar of tools. Spend a minute or two talking about some of the tools that you and the team have either had to invest in or some of the tools or the technology that you've needed to kind of um, develop or, or, or really kind of put into place to be able to grow Bellavix. Beautiful. Um, so, I mean, a lot of tools. I'll say the the biggest tool that helped us. So, like for the longest time, recruiting was just a pain point. I can't tell you how many people we hired, hired and fired to just kind of get get to where we needed to be. Um, so, the Culture Index. It's a veteran organization. I'm a veteran, so I support a lot of veterans' uh, businesses. But that organization was a complete game changer in how we recruit, how we find quality talent. So I know I mentioned it earlier, I won't go too much into it, but personality tests and predictive and uh, analytics is something that it makes a huge difference in, in hiring and firing. Recruiting was uh, a big challenge for us. Fortunately, I know sales is a lot challenging for a lot of businesses, but for us, it was recruiting, recruiting the right talent and getting that in place was a complete game changer. Outside of that, as you're scaling and growing, virtual assistance is something that helps out tremendously, especially for mundane tasks you find yourself doing over and over again. Yeah. As the yeah. owner of a business that's not super large and doesn't have department heads in every uh, every category I could have, it means that I'm, I'm currently wearing a lot of hats. So yep. having a virtual assistant that I work with, uh, we use a company called Sino.io, okay. and they, they do some really great work. Uh, they... Um, What's great is that, you know, I used Upwork, I used FreeUp, I used a bunch of resources, but I met Andy through a networking group 
And his uh, methodology is just like, because he works mainly with programmers and he was trying this idea out and it turned to work really great was he would hire these virtual, uh, these administrative assistants uh, for us to work with. And essentially everything we did, he would process out. He would have them process it out for us. We would review it. And then we would have a final process that's living and breathing because things change yeah, yeah. as the business grows. So we were able to kind of shift these virtual assistants into roles that that just take up a lot of time and because he was so process oriented i've had three vas leave us because you know people come and go they found other opportunities it is what it is but never missed a beat everything was documented it took like one week for them to review all the docs and kind of go through it one time and then bang took it over clockwork which for me was a huge relief because i did it before i worked with andy i did it like two or three times where had somebody build some processes, then they left. And then I had to train somebody else up. And it was like, just, it felt like taking like two steps back to take a giant step forward. So, yeah. uh, so the virtual assistants, like, yeah, he's a little probably expensiver than using some of these third party sites, but the quality works there. Uh, and then the culture index tends to be really huge. And of course I can go into like HubSpot, sales CRMs are definitely like anything you could automate and process, do it. Um, cause it saves, saves you time from actually having to go in and, and do it yourself. I love that. Well, I think the, the one thing that, that jumped out to me is just, you, you, yeah, it's so paramount and companies miss the, even big companies, even huge companies miss this sometimes, but the documentation piece is like, yeah, it's beyond critical because it's almost like for some of our listeners, if you, um, if you're not taking the time to have somebody on the team, it doesn't have to be you, by the way. Like it does, I get it. Customer focused business leaders are busy. We're, we're busy. We got a million things going on. I get it. But you've got all these brilliant, super smart, super capable, hungry people working at your business. Take a list of A players and start delegating, right? So this idea of being able to scribe things down, write it out. There's something crazy magical about the, the human brain where when you put all the ideas that you have up in your brain and you put them onto a piece of paper, you put them into a Word doc, you put them into a Google doc, you put them into a, a knowledge base or an FAQ, they become real. And then on top of it, when you look at those, those, those words, you look at those letters every single damn day, you see optimization almost on a weekly basis. <laughs> like it's in front of you, you're looking at it. So it, it, it almost like leads and breeds the next best, better, clearer, you know, more, more, more direct um, type of um, process. And that's how companies get better. Here's the last thing too. Selfishly, over the last two years, every company and every business owner in the world should be wanting this stuff documented because we're many of us are going to have remote workforces forever, oh, right? Yeah. We're, so like oh, yeah. there was already a ton of companies that were doing this before the pandemic, Will, but now everybody's there. Or there's at least a bit oh, yeah. of our business or a bit of our, our team that is going to be in a remote world. So like your ability to create asynchronous content or asynchronous information and make it just easy to consume, easy to find, easy to share, easy to update, man, that's going to be the stuff that, that separates the best businesses uh, of the future for sure. Amen to that. And, and, and consistency and experience, whether it's through your different channels. I mean, that's huge. And that was a big challenge early on and, and documentation was a huge part of that. Yep. hundred percent, man. Well, I'd love to, I'd love to dive in. This is perfect segue, but I'd love to dive into process, man. So when you, got started with Amazon and when you got started with Walmart and when you started thinking about just the different areas of like your seller management services or your vendor management services, you mentioned the marketing piece. So you got your paid search. I'm sure there's a bit of content involved in there too, but 
Yeah. I'd love to just have you take a couple minutes talking about how the Bellavix team and you have thought about how do you manage all this process? How do you, how have you kind of learned how to sort of not just sort of build the processes, but then be able to do that controlling and that monitoring that allows you to improve those processes over time, or as you get more at-bats or as you do more deals or sell more things. I'd love to just kind of hear how you guys have thought about the process side. Yeah, huge part of it. I'll say first software automation. So I didn't mention it, but we have a whole stack of Amazon tools we use that I could go into, but having a good software stack with that will alert you and do a lot of these things. Because at the end of the day, what I've learned, there are nuances to different categories and different businesses. So like fundamentally, our process is the same and our process has kind of been crafted from just working on a bunch of accounts and learning what works and what doesn't. And just give you like, I'll give you our first, like our, our typical rundown. So if you decided to work with Bellavix, what's the first thing we do? We onboard your account. You take a copyrighted questionnaire that has a lot of branding information and details. So we can really understand who you are as a brand, who's your customer, what's your voice, what's the do's and don'ts. A lot of that will spill over into customer service documents. So we know how to answer uh, customer inquiries because we respond to buyer messages. That's part of our services. So the whole time that's going on, like the first 30 days, we're also meeting with you. Is the account linked up? Did you hook up our software? You know, what are the immediate needs inside the account? And then we're kind of onboarding our software deck. We're putting our processes in place, our daily, our weekly checks. Uh, the advertising team is likely taking over. They're analyzing the campaigns. They're getting budgets. So here's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of people involved. On top of that, in the first 60 days, we're doing a marketplace analysis. We're looking at the category, the competitors. We're coming up with a blueprint for the first 90 days. We can blueprint out for a whole year, but what's most controllable is like 90 day increments. Yeah. So we do, we read the book Traction and we fell in love with it. We do everything with the rocks. So we took that concept and we applied it to, to, our, to our methodology and it's brilliant, you know, so it works. So within that first 60 days, we're delivering a detailed report of like, Here's the blueprint. Here's the KPIs based on the goals you set. Here's what we're going to do to hit there. And then we roll through our process where it's it's those incremental growth comes with these checks and making sure we're optimized and working with the copywriter, advertising, pushing more products, like everything that comes into there. And then every 90 days we reiterate. So we analyze how the, the pre previous quarter went. We look at the current quarter. And we say, okay, this same thing, let's do analysis. Any new players in the market? Where, where's the room for opportunity? What is our blueprint? Has it shifted based on the last quarter? Did we hit our goals? Why didn't we hit our goals? Like, it's okay to not hit your KPIs. It's not okay if you don't understand why. If you didn't do it, were we too aggressive? Were the listings ready for market? Like, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And we found businesses by like a lot more respect if we say, hey, we fell short. This is why we fell short. This is what we're going to do different so that we can hit the goals the next quarter. And 90-day increments isn't crazy. It's not like I waited a whole year and yeah. I wasn't diligent in the resources and the funds you've given me to grow your brand. Every 90 days, we can course correct and make sure the ship is on course. And if not, we learn along the way. So processes, I mean, in human services, it's like this, I guess, in anything, but like process is everything. If you don't have process, like you're driving in the dark uh, and that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I completely agree with that comment. And I, I think that um, there's two things that I want to immediately jump on that you said. So the 90 day focus view, Will, man, spot on. It's so common for 
growth-focused companies and growth-focused leadership teams to allow for, you know, their OKR sets or their general executive visions or missions to be these one, these three, these five-year plans. Now, totally get it. That's awesome. Like, good for you. I love that you can see that far ahead and you're such a visionary that you've got crystal clear vision five years ahead. I just don't think that that's realistic with the growth business. I love what you talked about. 90 days, man. I would argue most most startups, most growth-focused companies, dude, 90 days can be an eternity at times, depending on whether or not things are going really well for your business or or, or there's struggles or there's there's sales blips or there's ops blips or the product falls apart or you get a, a string of bad reviews. Like 90 days can be a really long time. And I think the other thing too is, it just 90 days is a beautiful place for a human mind to think about focus. Because if you think about it in 90 days, yeah, you could go ahead and put 27 OKRs on the list. I feel you. That's fine. I'm I'm, I'm ambitious too. I want to do 27 things right now, but no team, even the best teams and even the best leadership teams, they're not going to touch those 27 things. Instead, taking 90 days to focus on three things, four things, Maybe yeah. five, and even then, I'm, I'm you're one of those is going to fail. Yeah, exactly. It's aggressive, but like this is something that we want our listeners to think about and bring back to your teams tomorrow. Because if you're if you're living in a world where it's okay to constantly have the 27 items instead of the top two or the top three, um, part of how you can be an incredible leader and part of how you can make an immediate difference in your business and your team tomorrow is standing up and being a little bit louder about focusing and prioritizing. And I think the other thing too is. Most executive leadership teams, they are yearning for uh, a little bit more clarity. When you mentioned uh, driving in the dark, man, anything that can help kind of crank up the lights or, or turn the high beams on or whatever you want to call it, like that's helpful. That's that's improving your probability for success. Um, and, and, and then lastly, I think what I've learned just from being on a bunch of these different venture capital backed startup leadership teams is like, it makes for a better working environment. So instead of living in a world where you got 27 things and a bunch of smart people running around like they're with their like chickens with their heads cut, cut, cut off, you have a tighter, stronger, higher performing team when everybody knows that there's three core mission, like mission agenda yeah. points that everyone from the CEO to your newest BDR or your newest developer or your newest, you know, uh, support rep he's on the same exact page about it. it just makes for a better working environment. It tends to make um, those organizations have their teams rowing the boat in the right direction. So I love those points there. Will. heck yeah. I'll just add on. I mean, an exercise we do that any of your listeners can do, they can Google it. I believe it's some traction too, but the problem star, I can't tell you how many times we start with an organization. They're like, we want more sales that they, they think it's like, it's this it's advertising. Like this is the reason we don't have sales. And then we'll map out all the problems in the account and we'll just do the star. Like, is this causing this? Which one's causing it? And whichever one has the least arrows pointing to it essentially is the <laughs> biggest problem that needs to be addressed first. So we're able yeah. to help with prioritizing and focusing. And that, I mean, to your point, driving with the headlights on, it's a lot safer at night. That's for sure. Way easier, man. Way easier. And you can go faster too, by the way. You literally yeah, can drive faster. Yeah, so, um, well, I'd love to. I'd love to jump into the the fourth pillar, and you kind of started to to tease us on this earlier, but I'd love to hear you talk about feedback, man, because you're right. You're you're you and your team at Bellavix are an expert in it in, in Amazon, which is absolutely got to be the most. I would argue it's the most consumer based feedback that the world's ever oh, seen yeah. aggregated into one place. I could be I could be dead wrong on that, but like when you think for some of our listeners, you think about like G two, Captera, Gartner, all these awesome software peer to peer review sites. Yeah, there's a tremendous amount of information in there, but it, I guarantee you it doesn't scratch 
what Amazon's seeing. There's just, there's so many of us that are dropping our five-star reviews in. We're dropping what we loved about the book, what we hated about the product, why we gave it a three instead of a four. Like I read this stuff too, before you buy everything. It's almost like it's where the consumer journey starts this day and age. You go here. So I'd love to just kind of hear you spend a couple of minutes talking about what you guys have learned about feedback. How have you used that customer feedback? And then I'd love to spend a couple of minutes talking about your team too. How do you use some of your team's feedback to, to keep growing the business and getting Bellavix to a bigger, better point? Heck yeah, man. Great question. So, I mean, on the Amazon side of things, uh, Amazon's mission is to be the most earth centric brand uh, in the world, in the world. And they or sorry that to be earth's most customer centric company. And they totally are. Cause like Amazon has tons of reviews. And a lot of people say, oh, are they fake? Do people purchase reviews? It happens, but Amazon is cracking down and they're making sure that the feedback is legitimate. They do cookies and tokens and they have a way of figuring out. We are a white hat terms of service agency. So we don't recommend buying reviews or manipulating search because Amazon will catch you and you're shut down permanently. So if you're anybody who's selling uh, products and thinking like, how do I get feedback from customers and how do I get feedback on the seller side? That's baked into the system. There's a request to review feature, but there's also the post-purchase email sequence that you can leverage some third-party software. We like to use Feedback 5, and you can actually create like email drifts within Amazon to get customers to re-engage or to leave feedback. Got to be careful of language, and we could go into that. From Bella Vicks, from the agency perspective, when we initially work with somebody, um, my job is customer feedback, customer satisfaction. So I'll come back and I'll touch base with a lot of our clients. So the first 90 days is the most important. And it's, you know, I like, are we meeting expectations? I generally try to keep it short and sweet, you know, one to five stars, what do you give us and why? Um, Just to get some feedback. After the first 90 days, we kind of wait about three to three to six months, depending on the size of the account and the activity. And we normally do this by just sending out simple Google surveys. How are we doing? Are you satisfied with the team? Outside of that, once every six months, I reach out to every one of our clients personally, and I try to schedule a call just to gauge their how happy they are with their team. Uh, are we hitting their KPIs? And and some of the stuff we look at because like <clears throat> I don't manage all the accounts, so like, are you getting weekly reports? Are you getting uh, on the phone with, or video call with your team at least once a month? Are you getting specific reports delivered? Because I can't tell you how often than not have I have we lost an account because we're not perfect. Everybody doesn't hit it out of the park. It's part of running, learning and running a business. Absolutely. But I'll go in and I'll say, I'll meet with them or they'll be upset. They'll be getting ready to leave. And then I'll kind of go through this, this questionnaire I have. We also do post-mortem, but talk about that. Um, so actually we run a post-mortem. I'll find out everything that went wrong. Like why are you leaving and why? Uh, or what's causing you to leave. And what I'll find is like the team will take shortcuts or they'll not deliver certain deliverables that we've made part of our process. And then when that happens, I'm like, great, we understand, you know, business is business, they go on. But then I'm able to take that feedback to my team to better our services and find out, hey, do I have the right team? Do I have the right people in the right seats? Why, you know, are we maintaining the standard of delivery that that we expect as business owners? Because like, for us, the, that quality of work, you know, world-class people delivering world-class service is something we take really serious. And how we get there is iterations on what we're currently doing and is it getting better? And we have literally gotten ideas from clients that are like, why don't you do this? This is killing me. And we're like, 
that's a great idea. Glad, yeah. glad, thanks for bringing it to our attention. So like yep. that part of it. So like at every stage, there's an opportunity for you to get feedback. Why it's active in the account is the best time because they're currently working with you totally. and setting up, you know, that 90 to 90 day to, to the six months of just survey so you can get ahead of something. But also when you lose an account, it's okay to schedule a postmortem Definitely. survey and just like get that initial feedback. <clears throat> Excuse me. And internally with our team, uh, we have uh, an anonymous employee suggestion box that allows them to submit uh, essentially Google uh, Google surveys that are yep. like, hey, yep. you know, we like to see this. We don't like this. Um, it was interesting. We love the culture index. Uh, a lot of our team was like, it's scary. Are you going to use this as a tool to fire all of us? So we had to be like, <laughs> hey, you guys are crazy. But I didn't run a business to fire. Only if you're not That's- doing your job. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but, but but yeah so that process and like knowing that stuff they're worried about so like having to go in and address that and then also you know we uh, the team will do regular team calls they the operations team touches base once a week and then i touch base with leadership once a week where i get updates from each of the departments so we generally have like who's coming along we have training programs worked out we are building in the process of building certification programs through Bellavix awesome. nice. because we found the certifications tend to motivate people Definitely. and people just love having that on their resume. 100%. So like these are things we're putting in place and we got that from doing the feedback loop from touching, just asking people what could be better, what would make you want to stay forever at Bellavix and, and it's been great. So just, I mean, the biggest takeaway from when I first started to now is just asking and it's okay to get, bad news because bad news is good news it means you bad news is gold man bad news is gold it doesn't feel like it at the time and obviously it can be disheartening when you you're working so hard on these things man that's the thing right and customers don't care how hard any of us work to deliver our products or deliver our services when when it does hit the fan you know that they paid a certain amount of money for a certain thing we set a certain expectation and and so 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 on it goes but awesome 360 type of view that you guys have built well with with that i mean so like a couple things you made it clear like there's like constant customer feedback there's constant employee feedback i i know i've been like 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 crazy about this lately but like they they really are it's like a triangle that every business needs to be thinking about what does your customer think what does your employee think and then how can how can those 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 points fuel your business right fuel how can you improve the business based on what those two buckets are are kind of showing you um the other part that i'm so happy you called out because you know it's funny uh, especially over the last the last two years at cxcwo we've been doing more of these um customer outreach campaigns for churned accounts or for accounts that have moved on and it's funny. So like some companies are really, really great with making sure, okay, churn is a terrible thing and everybody's trying to trying to optimize the retention as best they can. But when people do leave you, when customers and accounts do leave you, it is absolutely okay to try to get them on the telephone or get them on a Zoom call. Or I mean, if you can grab a coffee, even better, obviously a little bit harder in today's world, but like surveys are not my favorite medium for somebody that just left a business. I think that there's a huge opportunity to get either on the horn or on the, on the, on the screen with that person, hear them, see them feel out like exactly kind of how they're explaining different things, because those people are literally telling you how you could potentially mitigate the next 10 departures from your business. And if you can even just 
cut 10 departures down to five departures, you've saved a tremendous amount of revenue and lifetime value for your business. And then theoretically, and I'm just saying, I know you know this well, but like when you're growing these businesses, guys, it's freaking hard to sell a deal. It's hard to find a new customer. It's, it can take a ton of time and money and energy to find another awesome customer that appreciates, commands, respects, and values the services that you're providing. So if you can cut those types of future churn rates down by 50%, 75%, 80%, you are literally making a tremendous amount of money for your business. So like all awesome points around there. I think for our listeners, if you're not doing postmortems, if you're not doing your churn-based feedback or your churn-based um, um, uh, phone calls or Zoom chats, please do it immediately. The other thing too is this, a customer or a former customer that takes the time to jump onto that call, they will give you gold. They'll tell you everything that they loved about the marketing and the sales, everything that they loved and hated about the product, everything that they loved and hated about support. And and, and by the way, it's not always support that forces these people out the door. Oftentimes I would argue it it can lean in the product and the the sales and the marketing direction more than anything, frankly. Expectations weren't set or feedback that they were giving the entire time that they were working with your company or working with your product. There was just no response on it. So it was like you have some poor, some poor CX or CS rep saying, I hear you, customer. I'm going to report this in and we're going to flag it with product. And after time, like you can only have that conversation so many times before someone just wants to see it reflected in the product or in the service that you're changing. So all awesome ideas there around how you can think about really leveraging feedback to fuel your business and to grow your business and your team into the future. Um, Will, this is fantastic, man. Before we wrap up today's show, where anything that you want to call out that Bellavix is working on and where can people find out more about Bellavix and where can people find out more about you, Will, or get in touch with you? Excellent. Yeah. So Bella, we're excited. We're rolling out. We're starting to work with Amazon Live, which is Amazon going up against QVC. So we've been really fortunate enough to team up with a bunch of influencers who are be promoting products for our brands. And I love starting new services and learning like what's going to work and what's not. So I am super excited about shoppable videos and that aspect. For anybody who wants to reach out to me, I'm really active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Will Hare, uh, on LinkedIn or of course, bellavix.com. And you can submit uh, an email inquiry uh, right on the uh, the website. That's about it. Amazon Live is the, the big channel that we're pushing out. It's super excited to get it going. And I uh, appreciate your time and being a guest here and sharing some of our processes and what we learned so that some of your listeners can go out and run better businesses. I love it. Well, Will, it's been our absolute pleasure, man. Thanks so much for joining the CX Chronicles podcast. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX nation, tuning into customer focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.